Good morning. Um, I am not Greg Brady. <laughs> Our pastor is, uh, has been on vacation, so you guys keep him in your prayers, him and your family. Uh, I t- entitled today's message, Hope for the Broken Hearted. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but there is actually a syndrome called Broken Heart Syndrome. And broken heart syndrome is a temporary heart condition that's often uh, brought on by stressful situations and extreme emotions. The condition can also be triggered by a serious physical illness or surgery. Uh, People with broken heart syndrome may have sudden chest pain or think that they're having a heart attack. So what does the Mayo Clinic says cause the syndrome? Uh, the death of a loved one, a frightening medical diagnosis, domestic abuse, losing or even winning a lot of money, strong arguments, a surprise party, public speaking, job loss or financial difficulty, divorce, physical stressors such as an asthma attack, COVID-19 infection, a broken bone, or major surgery. Well, you and I may never uh, get this broken heart syndrome, but I can't imagine that there's anyone in the room right now or watching on YouTube that has not experienced a broken heart. Uh, And thankfully, the scripture this morning offers us this promise Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, before we go to the, to the outline, the fill-ins, I want to make a few comments about one verse, this one verse. And so, first of all, the, ver- the verse says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Uh, I like what the uh, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says it's not just talking about proximity, you know, being close to standing close to someone, but it uses the word moral, moral nearness. And I found this in the Methodist Review. It says, the nearness of spiritual sympathy and inner ethical communion. You don't need to be a theologian to understand that close can mean different things. You know, you may say, I, I, live, uh, I am close to my, mother, my uh, mother-in-law. I'll say, oh, you're close? No, 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 I mean, I live close to my mother-in-law, right? You may not be uh, necessarily, you may be close to someone in proximity, but not necessarily close emo- emotionally. I like what this one expositor says, God is at the edge of his seat, waiting to righteously bring help and to aid the soul in anguish. Sitting on the edge of his seat. Don't you love that? Um, Adam Clark talked about the broken heart. And he says the broken heart is the heart broken to shivers. Have you ever broken a pot, a plate? Just and they're pieces, big pieces, but then there's those little slivers, a piece, 
That's what it's talking about. The word crushed means bruised. Uh, your Bibles may use the word contrite. Uh, it says the Lord saves those of a contrite spirit. And again, the International Bible Encyclopedia says that a contrite heart is a heart broken to pieces. Um, this idea uh, of being crushed, of being broken down, they have the same kind of meaning. And really, it talks about a spirit that is oppressed by sin or by trouble. And then lastly, uh, the verse says God is not only near to those whose uh, spirits are crushed, but he saves them. He saves them. I like what John Calvin, and I didn't get to put this on the screen this morning, but I want to read what John Calvin said about Psalm 34, 18. He said, God is the deliverer of his people, even when they are brought very low and when they are, as it were, half dead. It is a very severe trial when the grace of God is delayed and all experience of it so far withdrawn as that our spirits begin to fail. Nay more to say that God is nigh to the faithful, even when their hearts faint and fall them, and they are ready to die, is altogether incredible to human sense and reason. The idea that God is close to us at our lowest, lowest moments. So let's look at the outline. First of all, I want us to look at what crushes us. Point number one, what crushes us? And the first thing is sin. Uh, most of you in here know the story of King David, and uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he had her husband murdered. And uh, David, this was much later in his life, and from the time he was very, very young, he was known as a man after God's own heart. He wrote many of the Psalms that we read that are in our Bible. He was devoted to the Lord. He loved the Lord. Um, in fact, it's interesting. I think sometimes the stronger your devotion is to God, the more that you will be crushed by sin. But sometimes it's not about how devoted you are to God, but it can sometimes be uh, uh, the serious the seriousness of your sin that can crush you. Uh, after David was confronted in the Bible, David, God sent a prophet, Nathan, to confront David. And uh, he wrote Psalm 51 and was talking about his experience. But he also wrote Psalm 38. And I don't know if he wrote this after he sinned with Bathsheba, but he just talks about in Psalm 38, and Lee's going to bring it up, on the screen, about his experience of being crushed by sin. He says, My guilt has overwhelmed me, like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome my, because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. 
My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. I don't know if you are aware, but there are numerous studies that show a link between depression and physical symptoms. So sin can crush our spirits, but can also crush our bodies. Uh, And many of you do know the pain of offending someone. A spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling or a friend. And we hurt because we have hurt someone that we love. Um, And we hurt also because the offense has caused a separation between us and our loved ones. And so again, depending on how serious the offense, sometimes we don't know if the relationship can be repaired. So sin crushes us. But next, unfulfilled dreams can crush us. Let's look at Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the hearts sick. You know, uh, uh, being married, having children, being part of a family uh, can be very, very difficult at times. You know, we're, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I know a lot of people, oh, yeah, I get to see my family, I get to see my family. But I know there's some of you out there like, I have to see my family. <laughs> it's hard. But I, I'll tell you one thing, though. As a single person, as a person who's never been married, uh, being single, not having any children, uh, not having any family to speak of, All those things can crush us. It can crush us. Uh, And I know from, uh, uh, not from personal experience, but from my work as a therapist, that infertility is extremely painful. But there are other things that can crush our spirits. You know, we, we might want certain things. We might have certain hopes and certain dreams And when those dreams aren't fulfilled, we don't get what we were hoping for, what we were looking forward to, what we were expecting. Our hopes can be crushed. I I am not bragging. I'm not going to mention her name, but I know an Olympic athlete. She was in the Olympics this past past summer, right? It was the Olympics. And uh, she's a boxer. And I've known her and her sister. Her sister was a, a colleague of mine. I've known them for years, several years. And I've watched her sister go to one round, to the next round, to the next round, only at the very last round to lose and not make the Olympics. And she's in her 30s, I think maybe mid, mid-30s. That's old to be an Olympic athlete. I can't imagine... Time after time after time being disappointed. It can, can be devastating when our dreams don't come to, come to pass. So sin crushes us. Unfulfilled dreams can crush us. And finally, loss. Loss can crush us. There's a book in the Old Testament called Ruth. 
Now, Ruth is a pivotal character in the story, but another prominent character, and some people might say the most prominent character, the main character, is Naomi. And uh, that happens to be my mother's name, Naomi. And um, just to sum up the story, Naomi and her husband uh, have two, two boys, two sons, and they live in Judah, in Bethlehem in Judah, in the, in the nation of Israel. And uh, there's a famine in Judah and, so, and in Israel. And so in order to survive, her family moves to another country called Moab. And while they are there, Naomi's husband dies. So then her two sons get married, and then one and then the other son dies. Um, I can't imagine that kind of loss. Um, Maybe some of you, you do know what that is like. And you can, you can empathize with the character of Naomi. Well, what happened? She heard that there was a uh, relief in Israel, in Bethlehem, that the crops had been restored and that there was food. And so she wanted to go home. And so she returned to Bethlehem. Well, before she got there, as she's entering Bethlehem, it says the city was stirred up. Because they heard she was coming, and they went out to see her. And they said, can this be Naomi? Uh, Ladies, when you make a quick trip to the store, and you haven't given very much attention to your appearance, you just want to sneak in and sneak out, how, how do you feel when someone you see, someone you know? You like try to hide, you know, pretend like you don't see them. But you might be you might be embarrassed, but I can tell you what would be even more embarrassing is for them to say, Hey, are you okay? <laughs> are you all right? And what this is kind of what happened with Naomi. Naomi, is that you? Well, what did she say when she, when she heard what they were asking her? Look at what she said. Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Wow. Don't you love, don't you love how the Bible just depicts the heroes of the faith in such an honest way? Naomi didn't say, oh, I'm blessed. I'm just living day by day. I'm, I'm blessed. She did not say that. The Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. 
You know, one of the greatest fears that people have is of dying. But I think one of the most painful experiences that is when someone you love dies. I can tell you as a, as a counselor and as a preacher, um, I don't have any words when someone has lost a loved one. I admire frontline people, you know, EMT, uh, doctors, nurses, whatever. I admire them, even chaplains. Paul Hahnemann's not here today. He, he, he uh, does some chaplain work. And I admire people um, who are there the moment they lose a loved one. I cannot, I cannot imagine doing that on a constant basis. But I do see people in my practice as a therapist, as a counselor, who just lost their loved ones and their hearts are broken and their spirits are crushed. And I do a lot of uh, what's called grief work with people. And I can tell you, and some of you know this, the pain never really goes away. It never goes away. It can be lessened in its intensity, but it's always there. Well, there are other losses besides death, other losses that can crush us. Uh, Divorce, the loss of a job, the loss of a home, the loss of a friendship, the loss of our health. All of these things can break our hearts and can crush our spirits. So I'm going to release the uh, teens now, and you guys can go to the, uh, to the breakout room. So we have seen that what can crush our spirits is sin, unfulfilled dreams, and loss. Aren't you glad I'm not over with my, <laughs> I'm not done with my sermon yet? That would be a pretty depressing sermon. Um, Psalm 34, 18 says, God saves those who are crushed in spirit. So what saves us? First of all, forgiveness. Forgiveness saves us. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We were talking about King David earlier. And uh, we didn't read the psalm that he, that he wrote after he'd been confronted about his sin of adultery and murder. But in that psalm, in Psalm 51, David asks God, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, he probably was not alive to hear what Ezekiel wrote But he found out that God does that. That when we turn to God, 
in repentance. When we turn to Him, He washes away all of our sin. He gives us a new heart and a new spirit. And if it's the first time that we've turned to God, He puts within us His Holy Spirit to motivate us, to help us to live, to live for Him. I love the song by Chris Tomlin, the version of Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing grace. Amen. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Bearing our sin. Bearing the punishment. And not only did He bear the sin and bear punishment so we could be forgiven, He gave us His righteousness. So when God looks on us, He sees us as righteous. As righteous. Amen. God saves us by forgiveness and then He saves us by unexpected gifts. Unexpected gifts. Earlier this year, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg was preaching from the book of Acts. From the book of Acts. And he was talking about when the Apostle Philip spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch. And I can't remember if Pastor Greg mentioned this or not. But not all of the eunuchs, if you know what a eunuch is. Someone who is missing some important parts um, necessary for reproduction. And, uh, but not all eunuchs were born that way. Uh, many of them were castrated so that they would be unable to have sex with the female members of the royal families that they were serving. Well, obviously, that meant that they would never be able to have children. I want, to, I want us to look at the passage that the eunuch was reading when Philip approached him. This is from Acts chapter 8, verses 32 through 34. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life? was taken from the earth. This passage was, was so moving to this Ethiopian eunuch. He, he asked Philip, he says, Philip, who's this passage speaking about? The prophet who wrote it or somebody else? Well, Philip <laughs> told him who it was about. He shared the gospel. He shared the good news. And this man put his faith in Jesus. And he was saved. And he was, he was filled with joy. And he was so excited to be a Christian. He wanted to pull his chariot over. And he says, hey, let me, let me get baptized right now. Let's imagine if someone accepted the Lord today. And they said, call Pastor Greg. I want to be baptized right now. I want to be baptized today. That's how excited he was. Um, inexpressible joy. And guess what? 
He still couldn't have any children. But he had inexpressible joy. Like the song says, there's nothing better than you. Nothing. Um, But guess what? Philip disappears, gets carried off some way, and that guy, he gets back in his chair, and he's, he's riding his chair back to Ethiopia, and guess what? I don't know about you, but I I don't think he stopped reading. I think he kept reading. He was reading Isaiah 53. And guess what? In a few minutes, he's going to get to Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 5. Let's look at this. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. I I, I don't know what happened when the guy got to this passage. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got out of that chariot and he started doing a little dance and rejoicing and praising the Lord. I know when you get good news, you do that. You may, may maybe close the blinds and shut the windows, but you start jumping up and down, shouting, praising God or whatever, because you're excited. Well, that's what this guy is, was feeling. Can you imagine reading that? God um, doesn't always fulfill our hopes. In our dreams. But the eunuch got an unexpected gift. And sometimes, sometimes God blesses us in many, many other ways. In ways that fill our hearts with joy. So God saves us with forgiveness. He saves us with unexpected gifts. And lastly, He saves us with his comfort. Let's look at Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God saves us by providing us with comfort. Now that comfort starts here on earth, thankfully. (laughs) It does start here. And some of you know who've experienced loss and you think, am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to be able to move on? Am I ever going to have somewhat of a normal life? And you know, 
you know that God strengthens you. He comforts you and he strengthens you and he returns to you the joy of your relationship with him. Um, It starts here. And the Apostle Paul calls God the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Do you know the the, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Um, You know, you could say that God uh, comforts us when we turn to him after we have failed miserably. Uh, God comforts us when we are uh, broken because of unfulfilled dreams. And God comforts us when we have suffered great loss. He comforts us in all of those uh, situations. You know, I, uh, I'm glad that Anita and the praise, praise team sang right before the message. I've heard you can take what's broken and make it whole again. Well, here's the pieces of my heart. What can you do with them? Because I can hold them all together anymore. So I let them fall surrendered to the floor. That's a promise for now. Uh, And it's beautiful to see that God makes things new. And he heals what's broken in this life. But sadly, he doesn't always heal in this life. The Ginny, Ginny, Shiro, right? Uh, I'm sure she's been healed before. But this time, she wasn't healed here on earth. But she experienced the ultimate, the ultimate healing. Amen? Uh, We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, The praise team is not going to sing a song. I've asked Anita to play uh, a song that I heard on the radio called Scars, Scars in Heaven. Uh, You may have heard it before. But uh, I was... uh, I was listening to it. This week was a kind of a tough week for my, for my mom. Uh, last Sunday, uh, she fell down and she got a gash on her forehead. Uh, and they took her to the emergency room and they admitted her. She has uh, low sodium. And they kept her in there and they couldn't find out what was wrong. They tried to get her sodium up. Uh, my mom... Uh, some of you, if you've been in Sunday school or men's fellowship or Bible study, you heard me share my mom's story many times about some of the physical ailments that she's been through. And she's 80 years old, and she's been strong. God has blessed her with many, many years where she was relatively healthy <laughs> for the most part. But this last year, I've really seen her go down. And I was scared. 
uh, when she was in the hospital this week. She's never been in the hospital that long, um, at least not, as, not um, since I can remember. Uh, anyway, and hearing this song reminded me that there won't be any scars in heaven. There won't be any sick hearts. There won't be any cancer. There won't be any mental illness. There won't be any, any uh, divorce. There won't be any broken relationships. God will make all things new. All things new. And the only scars in heaven, as the song will say, are the scars in Jesus' hands. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, for your love for us, Lord. And especially in the midst of great suffering because of sin, because of unfulfilled dreams, because of loss of various kinds, Lord. Our hearts are broken, our spirits are crushed, Lord. But you come and you are near us, Lord, and you save us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Remind us, Lord, when we are discouraged. Remind us when we are just depressed. Remind us, Lord, when we are anxious that you are our Savior. You are the God who is there, Lord. Be with us now, Lord. And pray that you would speak to us through this song, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.